on a beautiful day in the Valley. It is time for By All Means, episode 21, right here on Western Reserve Radio. I am your host, Mark Means, Dave Ferris, in our Struthers studios at Western Reserve Radio. The show is always presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. Book your tee time online now by going to millcreekmetroparks.org slash golf or calling 330-740-7112. Find the show on Facebook. Just look for Western Reserve Radio. Download the live 365 and tune in apps or just go right to Western westernreserveradio.com to listen to the show live. Coming up on today's show, it's a full house of guests covering a lot of different topics. We open it up with Brian Tonor, Director of Golf at Mill Creek Metro Parks. We follow that up with my good buddy James Dotson, who will normally talk fantasy sports with us, but today, uh, James is going to talk about the 104th running of the Indy 500 this weekend. He has attended 27 of those runnings of the 500, and we'll talk about the race for this year. Segment four, we are joined by my cousin, Mark Means, the other Mark Means, who is the head football coach at West Middlesex High School over in Western Pennsylvania. Of course, the big news today from the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, announcing that all high school contact sports can go on as planned here in the state of Ohio. The only players allowed to be, and the only people allowed to be in attendance are an immediate family and friends of the players, the band members, or the cheerleaders that are in attendance. The actual ruling from the governor expected to come out with all the detail at some point coming up tomorrow. Pennsylvania, they will find out their future coming up likely on a Friday as the conversation continues between the governor of Pennsylvania, his staff, and the PI. Double A. So that is what is all on tap for today's show right here on Western Reserve Radio. Indians and Pirates play the first of three coming up tonight in Pittsburgh after both teams had the day off yesterday and the Pirates have been off since a positive COVID test by the Reds uh, missing games on Saturday and Sunday. So it'll be the first time the Pirates have played in three full calendar days that is the lineup here for today's show as always brought to you by our friends at mill creek metro parks going to take another break and when we come back on the our, take our first break of the day and when we come back on the other side of that timeout, we joined by brian tonar director of golf for mill creek metro parks Youngstown, Warren, and Salem's local and national sports talk can be found on TuneIn and the Live 365 app at Western Reserve Radio, WRDB, The Scourge. By all means, continues here on Western Reserve Radio, presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. On the phone is the director of golf from Oak Creek Golf Course, Brian Tonar. Brian, how's it going today? Oh, it's going great. We've got uh, the YMCA League just getting ready to tee off, the oldest league in the state of Ohio at 92 years. Uh, I've got a bunch of people out here ready to go out and tee it up. It's been a great uh, summer for golf in the last couple of weeks weather-wise. It's been exceptional. i got a lot I want to get to in about 10 minutes with you. And Did I read right? Did somebody actually have two holes in one at the par three? We did. We had a guy go back-to-back on our 14th and 15th hole. The first hole was 72 yards, and the second hole was 95 yards. It's like a, uh, I want to say, a a 
10 million to one or something like that, or the odds ends up shooting 19 for a score on uh, nine holes up there. So made a bunch of birdies beyond that, but I mean, just a rare occurrence where you have back-to-back aces, pretty cool stuff. And uh, very neat that he was able to do it here at Mill Creek. And I know you've also been very busy because over the weekend you hosted a, a day of the greatest golfer as well. We did. On uh, Friday, we had over 300 golfers here for the first round of the uh, greatest golfer of the Valley. Uh, went off without a hitch. Golf course was in great shape. Good tournament uh, conditions for the players. Uh, greens were super fast for them. I think they were rolling about 11 on the step meter, which is very quick for us. Um, with all the capital improvements we've done over the course of uh, the number of years up leading up to this year's event, starting to come to fruition with the you know the bunker restoration, the greens drainage. Um, figured it would be about August, September when our, our root structure would be good, where we can get them to where they play at a consistently consistently fast pace. And uh, they certainly peaked uh, this past Friday. It was neat to have everybody here. It's one of the great amateur events in the five-county area and you know, be dispersed between the, the private clubs on Saturday and a field of about 90 to 100 ended up making it to the, the Lake Club on Sunday for the championship. But uh, just a great amateur event if you're into tournaments and competition, a uh, great event to uh, partake in, and we're happy to host you know one of, the, one of the three rounds of the event. Obviously the biggest one because we have 36 holes. We, we do two waves a morning and an afternoon wave on number one and number 10 uh, on both golf courses, the north and the south. So it's a certainly a busy day and a, and a busy day leading up to the event with preparing the golf course and marking the golf course, the hazards, the ground under, uh, doing 300-plus scorecards, roll sheets, pin sheets, you, you name it, something that we uh, take a lot of pride in, and our, our staff is certainly excited to be uh, a part of it. And it's neat to see the, the players come and have a good time and shoot some good scores and, and be able to carry it into the weekend. You know, one of the things we've always talked about and whether different forms of us interviewing you is the capital improvements that have gone on since you've been there, since you've been the director of golf, whether it's you know more carts or improving the clubhouse, the different things that you have done. That continues. I saw you post on social media, uh, the golf cart path project is now underway. It is something that's certainly exciting, and, and the projects up to this point have been, you know, very, very fun. You know, this one, from a, a realistic standpoint, will give us some longevity as we head into the fall of each year. Traditionally, our golf courses can can get wet late into the fall and, and early into the spring. By adding these cart paths, asphalt paths through the the entire south course and finishing up the four holes on the north, will give us some availability to extend the season, so to speak. Which is, which is great for the facility and, and great for the golfers to have an opportunity to play a month longer than they normally would have. But it's a project that was started. Uh, this one in particular was started in 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. So 20 years later, we're actually coming back to it and, and finishing it as it was part of our uh, major capital improvement plan that we threw out in the, you want to say, the, the summer or fall of 2016 really spent 2015 trying to diagnose where we felt we were deficient and so far we've uh you know obviously added uh green or greens drainage this past fall new card staging area in uh 2016 2017 and 18 we restored all the bunkers on the property on both the north and the south golf courses um redid some areas up by the clubhouse redid the pro shop uh added new new benches and new hole signs and uh 
you know, it's fun to be a part of something that you have direct impact to making a major change and to, to see this uh, project come to fruition now after it started 20 years ago with the aggregate. We're re-putting new aggregate down. We'll have uh, two layers of asphalt going down. Uh, Stacy and myself will go out and mark the cart pass for yardage and the kids' tee markers, so it'll it'll tie into really what we've done on the north course and, and giving us the ability to extend the season and, and cosmetically making the place look uh, a little richer and a, and a little bit uh, more manicured. Brian, a couple minutes with you during today's show, and you know, the park has always been a special place for people to go in the valley, but I definitely think it, it, it's taken an even greater meaning with everything that's going on in the world in the valley now with everything with COVID-19. My wife and I make it out there quite a bit, but I tell you, in the last couple of months, we've been out there more uh, than we have in, in, in a while, and there's just so many things, even if there's not a lot of events going on, to so just get to the park, slow your life down, and relax for a little while there's no better place to go do you know what that's the, that's really you've hit the nail on the head it's you know one of the areas that i think makes mill creek a special place obviously if you know you didn't have an opportunity to take part in some of the programming that, that has gotten delayed or put on the shelf for the year you still have the value of coming out and, and enjoying this awesome park the trails um, fellows riverside gardens i mean you you name it each entity at this park whether it be the metro park farms the golf course the bikeway has such high value for people in the community. You don't have to be associated with the sport. If you just like nature, if you just like getting out, walking, jogging, bicycling, there's definitely something to do here. You know, the leadership of the park is exceptional. You know, from our park board to our executive director, Aaron Young, they've really taken the time to not only reinvest in the golf, and it's, you know, I obviously oversee golf and recreation and some of the things that we're doing there, but you know, we're just one-tenth of all the departments across the metro parks receiving capital improvement upgrades, you know, whether it be roads, whether it be trails, whether it be uh, uh, a new maintenance thing down at the Wick Recreation Area. There's so many good projects going on right now that, you know, it, it's really enhancing the beauty uh, and the user access and accessibility to the metro parks as a whole. So I think that that thing is, you know, really unique from a capital improvement standpoint. It's a, you know, 10 to 15 year project, but making the, the facility better than how we found it is certainly something that's, you know, at a high regard for us, you know, across the park, whether it's the golf course, the metro parks, but I think they do a phenomenal job of, no matter what your interest is in the park, there's always something for anybody to do here. And I think that that's what makes unique, you know, Mill Creek, a very unique place. And I think that that's, you know, from my standpoint, working here and from just coming here as a patron, you know, with my kids and going to the playgrounds and, and doing the certain things that we really enjoy, you know, makes Mill Creek Metro Parks a very special place to be at without a doubt. Brian, we are excited to have our partnership with you here on Western Reserve Radio. We look forward to great things in the future. And as always, I know you're busy. We appreciate a couple minutes of time with you. And we'll do it again very soon. Thank you very much. You got it. No problem. Have a great afternoon. That is Brian Tonar, Director of Golf at Mill Creek Metro Parks. And, you know, he mentioned it. There's always something for you to do out at the park, depending on what your interest it is. The batting cages, the par three, the two beautiful Donald Ross 
this golf course. Go take a chance. Walk around the lily pad. Socially distance. My wife and I did that a couple weeks back. That's just a great relaxing place to go and walk around the pond that's there as well. The Rose Garden, Lanterman's Mill. There's always something exciting to do out at Mill Creek Park. And I've said it so many times. It's one of those places where uh, even in our current times, we all lead very hectic, busy lives. And you could just go into the park and your life slows down for a little while uh, and makes it something where you can just kind of take a few hours, forget about everything, and enjoy the beauty and the fact that we are so lucky to have a place like Mill Creek Metro Parks and all that it offers us. When we come back after this break, we're going to change the topic and switch to the Indianapolis 500 that is coming up this weekend, the 104th Indianapolis 500. And James Dodson will join us to talk about that. And maybe a little bit of high school football as well as he covers high school football in Western Pennsylvania for several different outlets. And we'll get his opinion on everything going on in the state of Pennsylvania uh, with the possibility of them playing high school football and finding out the results of that information coming up here in the next few days. You're listening to By All Means presented by Milk Creek Golf Course. Book your tee time online now by going to milkcreekmetroparks.org slash golf. We'll be right back. You're listening to Western Reserve Radio, the radio home of the Youngstown Phantoms, part of the Live 365 Network and SB Nation. means continues right here on western reserve radio presented by milk creek golf course on the phone is my good friend james dotson and i don't know what, what to congratulate you first for james you got married and had a birthday since i talked to you last so it's been busy for you congratulations on everything oh thank you it's been uh, a very very uh, busy last month and a half but it's uh, about to get busier here uh, hopefully with uh, some sports going in pa like ohio as well yeah, we just found out today that high school football in Ohio is going to go on a little different with a six-game schedule than a ten-game schedule. Uh, it's expected what the PIAA will make their official announcement. Is that going to be Friday? That's what it sounds like. The whether it's going to be uh, limited more or it's going to be just district by district. But uh, fingers crossed. Uh, some news coming out today sounded pretty promising that uh, there will be a season one way or another uh, if schools want it at. So, James, what we had you on for, of course, is to talk about the 104th Indy 500 is this weekend, and it, it, it's so different. And for somebody like you and your family that's been going to this for a long time, I asked you, you know, a couple days ago, you've been to 27 of these races. First off, what is it like not being able to go and the fact that fans are not allowed to attend at all? Well, it's just crazy enough being in August. This is the first ever in 104 races that the race isn't Memorial Day uh, weekend or Remembrance Day uh, weekend. So uh, that that just uh, in and of itself, I think, is, is really crazy. The fact that you know our family had a Memorial Day cookout—that's something we had never done. My family's gone. This would have been year number 45 in a row uh, for the family as a whole. I've gone every year since I was uh, just shy of two years old. So it, it's just in that regards for so many people. Uh, like my family and those who have been going even much longer as a group, just like, you know, I'm used to, okay, it's Memorial Day weekend, we're getting in the car and making the trip to Speedway, Indiana, and that just uh, wasn't the case. So uh, very different. We're going to enjoy the family. We're uh, going to use 
technology as much as we can, watch the race, and uh, the plan is to Zoom call in with a bunch of other uh, uh, fans in our in our group of uh, 30 that go every year uh, from all around the country, and we're all going to kind of watch it together anyway, even though uh, we have to be in different parts of the world. We'll make it work. You know, it is interesting, if I read correctly, is there not a very familiar name to race fans on the poll this year? Incredibly familiar. Uh, Andretti uh, on the poll for the first time since 1987. Marco Andretti, that's the grandson of Mario uh, Andretti, uh, who did it last there back in 87. And uh, Michael Andretti, most known as uh, the one who probably was the most snake bitten over his uh uh, career as a driver he's been great as an owner and he's a uh, part owner with uh with marco's car and uh, marco just incredibly fast uh, he's always been kind of you know up there but really has not done enough in terms of winning races uh, especially not winning the big race uh of the 500 but uh the fact that he wins, wins the pole is so good for the sport uh, uh fan favorite by far but also a driver favorite it was fun watching uh uh, videos of uh, of other drivers in the uh, on pit road as the qualifying's happening or back in the garage cheering him on and just generally uh, excited and genuinely excited that Marco Andretti is on pole. It's just really good for everybody uh, when Andretti's on top, and this gives him by far his best chance to win uh, since his first year when he uh, lost just uh, on the last lap by less than a car length. Could we compare to when a lot of people talk about, you know, when Duke wins for college basketball, it's good for college basketball. When Notre Dame is winning, it's good for college football. When the Yankees are winning, it's good for baseball. Having a recognizable name, is that good for, you know, IndyCar racing and the fact that it will bring people to the event that might not have paid attention to it otherwise? Well, I think so for sure. I've already heard uh, many stories of, you know, people saying that you know IndyCar never gets any coverage, but the first news on sports was Andretti on pole. So it's that name recognition, especially for the uh, older generation of fans who uh, who aren't as in tune with uh, with open wheel racing since the uh, split of IndyCar and Kart uh, in the mid '90s. You know those. Uh, th- those fans, those old-timer fans, are used to the names of Andretti, Ray Hall, Foyt, and when you can get these second or third generation drivers like a Marco Andretti or even you know Bobby Ray Hall's son Graham, uh, who's in the uh, first three rows and has been really competitive the last few years, if either one of those two could win the 500, especially, it would be even bigger for the sport. But this is really big right now uh, for Marco, and there are so many Marco fans out there who are uh, really big on on him getting to that last step, uh, and this is a big part of it. After being in, in the series for 15 years and thinking that he should have had many opportunities, uh, if he can go and uh, kiss the bricks on Sunday, it would be even bigger. Despite having a name like that and being in the poll, it's guys like Scott Dixon and Will Power that are still favored to win the race, correct? Scott Dixon, for sure. He's uh, He had a great qualifying run, puts him... Uh, uh, in the middle of the first row, Dixon, I mean, for his age too, is is really impressive. He'll be probably remembered as like a, you know, a Bobby Ray Hall or an AJ Foyt of this generation, just for how successful he's been for how long. Um, Will Power in that entire Penske team is really interesting. So uh, Chevrolets did not do well in qualifying. Uh, if you're not used to IndyCar, what they did for the qualifying is they actually increased the t- 
turbocharger boost just for qualifying. And when they did that, Honda engines just fared a lot better than the Chevrolets. And Team Penske, in, in particular, with those Chevrolet engines way down in the field. Joseph Newgarden's 13th, Will Power, you mentioned, at 22nd. And uh, his fellow uh, former winners, in, uh, Simon Pagino in 25th, and Elio Castroneves all the way back in 28th. Uh, the issue, though, is that it looks like Chevrolet is a much better race engine uh, in terms of having the pace throughout the course of a of a full stint on fuel. So we should hopefully be able to see some Chevrolets make their way to the front. It's just a matter of can they make enough passes over the course of 500 miles to make it all the way to the front. So who are some of the names that, that you like that you think have a chance of being up front or even winning? Well, I definitely think uh, the fact that you have three teams on the front row, we already mentioned with uh, Andretti and Dixon, uh, but to have a a guy in Takuma Sato who's just always a strong competitor, he starts on the outside of row one. I made a prediction. He will either lead lap one or he will crash by the end of lap one because he's just that competitive and he will go for that uh, opening no matter what. So uh, keep an eye on that right off the bat. But there are a couple dark horses uh, later in the field. I really like James Hinchcliffe, uh, a one-off just for this race with Andretti Autosport. Um, I think he's somebody who has been very snake-bitten the last few years and has a great car, possibly his best car that he's had uh, at the 500, even when he was a pole sitter a few years ago. And I really have to keep my eye, too, on uh, everything with Ed Carpenter Racing. Ed Carpenter uh, is an Indianapolis uh, bred. He's led there or lived there his entire life. Went to Butler University. Uh, somebody who's just really well known and also well liked around uh, the IndyCar community. Uh, he's always known to be qualifying up front, but can't finish the race up front. It's complete opposite this year. He did not do as well in qualifying. None of his uh, three cars really did great in qualifying, but it's probably his best race car that he's had. He, he's got a very good chance, I think, of making his way through the field. Uh, he has a rookie teammate, Renus VK, who actually was the fastest rookie uh, and the fastest Chevy in the field, only Chevy in the top 12, actually. So keep an eye on him starting up front. And I really like Connor Daly, a veteran in his 7500. Um, He's never finished better than 10th, but this is the first year that he has been on the same team for a chunk of the year from one year to the next. He's just bouncing team to team, getting drives whenever he can. And uh, the fact that in every single practice, he's been in the top 10 on all six practice sessions, that tells me something right there that he's good uh, both in race trim and qualifying trim when he's by himself. So I really have a feeling that you can see Connor Daly do something nobody has ever done, actually. He starts 18th. No one has ever won from the 18th position in 103 years. I think he could be the one to change that. Do you think this year in particular, is it a race to be won by a favorite? Or can somebody come from the back of the pack or maybe an an underdog and, and win this year's 104th running? Well, it's so tough. The last two years with the newest arrow kit, it's been very difficult to pass. Uh, compared to the old uh, era kit. So you've had, you have to say, if you weren't starting in probably the first two or three rows, it was going to be very difficult. Now, the new era screen that they put in this year uh, seems to be creating a little bit more of a, of a hole in terms of uh, getting a draft and being able to make those passes. So I think you have a chance to have somebody from the back of the pack uh, do a little bit more, uh, especially if they have a strategy. Like Team Penske will always have the best strategy out there. They have a chance to make it from back to front no matter what. So even though guys like Pagano, Castor, Neves, Will Power, big names like that are starting in the back. 
they can make it to the front very easily. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me. I think it's going to be a bigger name. It may not be a, a former winner getting it, but I think it's going to be one of the big guns uh, who will have uh, the most likely chance. And you can't even, I can't believe I haven't even mentioned Alexander Rossi. He's raced four times at Indianapolis. His worst finish is seventh. He starts ninth, same place he started last year when he finished this shy uh, of winning by less than a second. So i uh, got to keep an eye on a, on a big-name American like Rossi as well. Do you think not having fans will affect the drivers, or once they get in the car, start the engine and go, you kind of get in that zone and you're not even really thinking about the fans? You know, it's kind of the opposite. A lot of times rookies, when they first get to the track on race day, so they they practice the entire week and normally the entire month of May with empty stands and you just see nothing but gray. And then all of a sudden it's full of color both inside and outside of the track. That's, I think, the most uh, thrilling part is now you're going into turn one at 230 miles an hour with uh, with a different sight line and all this color. Uh, so I think it's actually going to be a bit more normal if, uh, if that's a proper way to put it this year it's going to be more normal or at least just more what they're used to because it's been that way uh all week long so especially for the rookies i think a little bit less of that wow factor could actually be a little bit of a benefit to, for uh, for some of the young guys well james we appreciate it we are up against a break again congratulations happy birthday enjoy the race with your family as best as you can and uh, i'm sure fantasy football season is right around the corner so we'll be talking to you on a regular basis so thank you yeah, for, for sure we'll be ready for it thanks for having me james dotson uh, discussing the 104th running of the Indy 500 that is coming up this weekend. You can catch the race beginning at 2.30 on the 23rd on NBC. Coverage will begin at 1 o'clock. The race will start right around 2.30. Going to take another timeout here on episode 21 of By All Means. On the other side of the timeout, we're joined by the other Mark Means, the head football coach at West Middlesex High School over in Pennsylvania. He will join us to talk about high school football and its future in western pennsylvania we'll do that after we take this time out you're listening to by all means brought to you by our friends of course at milk creek golf course book your tea time online now by going to milkcreekmetroparks.org slash golf or call them 330-740-7112 we'll be right back Youngstown, Warren, and Salem's local and national sports talk can be found on TuneIn and the Live 365 app at Western Reserve Radio, WRDB, The Scourge. means continues right here on western reserve radio brought to you by milk creek golf course on the phone is the third year head coach of the west middlesex big reds that is mark means and if anybody is wondering yes mark is my cousin i have been asked that i don't know how many times over the last few years as him being head coach mark how are you and the family doing oh hey mark uh thanks for having me on i really appreciate that hey the family's doing uh really good uh they're they're we got uh two daughters now one's uh four and a half and the other one's one and a half and uh we got a we have a, a little nephew we're, we're taking care of as well he's two years old so we're 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 doing well and the house is full so i would have to think getting the word that ohio was going to play although an alternate schedule officially today has to maybe give you a little confidence that the same thing can happen in pennsylvania as well 
Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, that was actually a good sign uh, for us. We're, we're very hopeful that uh, on Friday that the PIAA will kind of rule to continue, which I think that's what's going to happen. So with Ohio doing that, we are very excited to see that there is going to be some football. Is there any potential changes to the regular season? Like Ohio went to six games. Most of it is only going to be league games with a few exceptions. Uh, any conversation of what it could look like over there in Western Pennsylvania? Yeah, Mark, uh, we, we've heard so many different things. We heard that um, we may lose our first two weeks uh, of the season and start uh, in week three and just go on. So maybe that would be an eight-game regular season schedule. Um, I've heard that that may not happen, that we may just start as uh, we're supposed to, and back towards the back end of it we may lose those uh, games. So, uh, And then the, the other thing is, is I heard that they may revamp the schedule completely and try to keep it with local schools in our county, in Mercer County. So when you look at all of that, uh, Mark, have you guys been able to practice, or is everything just kind of on hold right now, waiting official word from the PIAA? No, we've been uh, going four days a week. Uh, we've been going uh, Monday through Thursday. Uh, we've been going from uh, 5.30 to 8 o'clock. Um, so we've been going as normal and as scheduled. So everything is, is is going forward here. So tell us a little bit about the team. I know you've got some skilled players returning from the squad last year. What do you've got coming back for this year's group? Yeah, we've got uh, you know we've got a few returning guys uh, offensively. Um, we are at uh, about five returning offensive starters, uh, mainly receivers and running back, um, and you know starting center uh, on the line there. And then defensively, we're at four returning starters. So we have some shuffling around to do and some things we uh, you know got to solidify with some of the newer guys to kind of put all the pieces uh, to the puzzle together. One of the positions you didn't mention there was quarterback, so I assume you've got a, a battle in practice going on to see who will take that job over? Well, no, technically I, I didn't mention that. and uh, he, he is actually uh, a starting uh, guy that returned from last year. Ty Tate had a phenomenal season last year. He did have a few injuries here and there throughout the season, but uh, literally he is one of the guys that we are going to be leaning on uh, this season for his uh, athleticism, his leadership, uh, and his skills. So, yeah, no, I didn't mention it right off the rip, but uh, he is one of the big focal points of our offense as our quarterback. Knowing that you've got a returning quarterback like that and he's a big part of your offense, I'm sure the opponents will be trying to you know, take him out as much of a factor as he can be. So I know you have some other – you mentioned you have some receivers and some running backs uh, back to try and lighten his load. 
Yeah, absolutely. We're going to try to be a you know running team by committee. Uh, losing Zeb Rubaker last year uh, at fullback is obviously going to be hard shoes to fill uh, with him gone. He, you know, he's a six foot guy, 205 pound running back that was just phenomenal for us last year, as well as Jason Davis. We lost him as well at the wing back position. So. Um, we have Alex Ray, who's going to slide in there at the wingback position. He got some time last year. He's very athletic uh, and tough-as-nails type of kid. And then Ian Smith, he's a junior. He's going to step in at the fullback position. He's a, he, he put on about 20 pounds of muscle uh, during the offseason. He's weighing in about 200 pounds. So we're going to rely on those two guys as well as Colby Johnson. He's going to see some time this year as a sophomore. Uh, very athletic kid as well. So a little bit of running back by committee. And then receiver-wise, we have uh, returning starter Eddie Lowe. He's just phenomenal. He's absolutely athletic, fast. Uh, not the biggest guy out there. He's probably about 5'8", but he can catch and he can run. And we have a newcomer with Chris Smith. He's about six foot, 170 pound receiver, very athletic basketball guy uh, that can go and catch the ball. So we're we're excited uh, to to see how well these guys do uh, this season on offense. Let's flip to the other side of the football, Mark, and talk about what you've got back defensively and what the expectations are there. Yeah, defensively, we're, we're going to be leaning on our defensive backs and the secondary there. So uh, Eddie Lowe is another one I just mentioned at the wide receiver position. He's playing corner as well as Ty Tate. Those two guys are supreme athletes. They're athletic. They can cover. Um, and then Alex Ray, uh, we kind of moved him around a little bit this year. He was our free safety last year, did a really good job for us. And we kind of been, uh, you know, Giving him some experience uh, at the outside linebacker position as well. So uh, with him and those other two guys I mentioned, along with the Colby Johnson, uh, getting some time maybe at free safety, I think that's really our strength is our secondary. Uh, the big thing is for us, we have to find you know our linebackers. You know we we lost a few guys last year. Um, you know, Chase Tomko at middle linebacker was just phenomenal for us. And, um, you know, we're going to probably end up sliding uh, Ian Smith either to the Mike position. Uh, Ian Smith played outside linebacker for us last year, did a really good job. But we're still undecided there yet with a new guy in Zach McElrath. He, he came in this year. He's a first-year guy. He's a big guy, though. He's six foot, like 245 pounds. Um He's a, he's a solid kid, but we're just trying to get him up to speed. And uh, if we can get that linebacker core going, I think we'll be fine. You look at uh, games over here in Ohio, and there, there's been uh, you know, no contact in practice and, and no scrimmages yet. Those are coming here in, in the future. Uh, if, you were ha- if you were going to start on time week one for your schedule, do you think you'd be ready to roll and play in a game that counts that quickly? Yeah, it depends on that. Uh, hopefully, we're, we're going to be able to get a scrimmage um, within the next two weeks. That's what we're, we're looking at. Uh, if everything goes well with the PIA on Friday, we're looking at uh, starting our heat acclimation next Monday. 
that's going to be Monday through Friday. And then the following week after that should be like what we would call camp. Um, but it's going to be modified because the kids will be in school. So we were hopeful that we're going to get a, uh, a scrimmage in two weeks on a Saturday. Uh, we're, we're still not sure because that's up, up in the air. Um, if we had to do it, obviously, I think our guys are ready to go. I think, you know, we, we haven't had contact. That's the, that's the biggest thing that you, you kind of cringe at as a coach because you want to be able to get out and, and get some contact, get some hitting in, get guys used to it and things like that because, you know, uh, I think that, uh, that time getting, uh, you know, hitting and stuff like that on the field is going to help lessen injuries. I mean, you look at all the, the, the different challenges that we've all had to go through. How has practice, how has it been different in the age of COVID-19? Or do you think uh, your young student-athletes have just adjusted to the changes because they want to play football? Yeah, that brings up a really, really, really good point. Um, you know, I think a lot of the changes more so is for the, the coaching staff, the administration, and everything like that are – our administration has done an outstanding job with, uh, you know, putting together a safety plan uh, for all the sports. But like you said, I really believe it's true that the kids have shown up day in and day out. We've had probably the best summer camp we've had in the three years that I've been here. Uh, the numbers have been up. We've, been, we've had over 32, 33 guys uh, every day for four days a week. Um, so it just shows that they are hungry, that they want to be around their, their fellow peers and they, they want to play. They want to go out, have fun, compete. Um, and they have been abiding by all of these changes as if like we've been doing this for the last two years. It is definitely challenging, and we're hoping for all of the best for all of the student-athletes around the Valley that they get the chance to uh, get the opportunity to play on the field, whether it's a full season or a shortened season. Mark, as always, best of luck to you and your Big Reds, and we appreciate a few minutes of time with you. Thank you very much. Yes, Mark, I appreciate it. It's always nice talking with you as well. Thanks for having me on, and uh, as always, go Big Reds. That is Mark Means, third-year head coach of the West Middlesex High School Big Reds over there in Pennsylvania. If you're just tuning in and wondering, yes, Mark is my cousin. He's done a fantastic job over there uh, leading that program the last couple of years. And uh, good, always good to hear from him as uh, we deal with the challenges of COVID-19 and high school sports in the greater Valley. Have just a couple minutes before the break and just want to touch on something that happened in baseball yesterday. Uh, the uh, Padres were playing in a game yesterday. Uh, the big story has been Fernando Tatis Jr. hit his second home run of the game late in the game with his team up 10-3. to And he swung on a 3-0 pitch and hit a grand slam. If I was talking to you about this a couple of years ago, I would probably be pretty upset about what he did. But I think my entire opinion on that has really changed. Some of these unwritten rules of baseball need to go. If baseball is going to find a new, younger, energetic fan base, they've got to let the players on the field have fun. It's that simple for me. If the score is 10-3 to or 3-3 to or whatever it is, and you get a pitch that you can drive out of the ballpark with the bases loaded, then you should do it. 
no matter what the score, no matter what the time, no matter what is going on. The pitcher, it's his responsibility to throw a better pitch than a meatball 3-0 that you can hit for a grand slam in a game that was already well-determined uh, what the final score, or at least who the victor of that game, was going to be. So let baseball have fun. Get rid of some of these unwritten rules. That flips, if you want to bring those in, they might have been able to bring that into Major League Baseball and just let them have a little bit of fun. And maybe maybe some younger baseball fans might actually be interested in the sport. So that's just my quick take on what happened yesterday with Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the best, brightest, and most exciting up-and-coming young players in all of Major League Baseball. Going to take our final timeout. We'll come back, wrap up the show, and we will let you know who's on tap to join the show next week. It's going to be a fun one that you're definitely going to want to check out because we're going to tell you about a great product for baseball fans to decorate your home. Uh, one of my very good friends has been working on this for the last couple of months and uh, he's going to come on and let us know what he has to offer with his company so we'll take our final time out we will come back and wrap up episode 21 of by all means on western reserve radio A little bit of a technical issue, so we're right back here on a by all means here on Western Reserve Radio. I want to say hi to Mike checking in from New Haven, Connecticut, listening to a talk a little bit of baseball and everything else going on today. And we appreciate him checking in through social media. Coming up on next week's show right here on a by all means, my friend Jeff Holke who is one of the owners of JBD Bat Flags, is going to join the show at 512. They make amazingly designed American flags and uh, other designs out of baseball bats. So I have one hanging up over my couch in the living room. He's going to be on to tell you about them and exactly what they can offer for you if you're a big baseball fan like I am. Just search on social media for JBD Bat Flags, and Jeff will be part of the show coming up next Tuesday. Thank you to all the guests today. We covered a wide array of topics, including Brian Tonar, Director of Golf from Mill Creek Metro Parks. We talked Indy 500, the 104th running of the 500 with James Dotson, and we just finished up talking to my cousin Mark Means, the head coach of the West Middlesex High School football team over in Western Pennsylvania. Of course, we found out high school football and contact sports in general getting set to ramp up here in Ohio with football playing a six-week regular season schedule. We will find out from the PIAA coming up later on this week what will be the future for Western Pennsylvania. Uh, that'll happen on Friday. All indications are at this point there will be some type of high school football season for our friends over in Western Pennsylvania. Indians and Pirates begin a big three-game series. That is, begins tonight at PNC Park in Pittsburgh, 7.05, first pitch there. It'll be the first time the Pirates have played in three days, so they are fully rested going into the game. Indians coming off an off day yesterday after a sweep of the Tigers that included their 20th straight win over the Detroit Tigers uh, after the three-game series against the Pirates in Pittsburgh. The Indians will come home and they will play the Tigers this weekend for three more. So I have a chance to extend that streak out to 23 games for the Indians against Detroit. 
Major League Baseball news today. The Reds game was postponed today. Again, another day off for them, making sure all their players are healthy. They will be playing a doubleheader now beginning tomorrow should all tests come back negative. So that is going to do it for us for today's show here on Western Reserve Radio. Big thank you to our sponsor, Mill Creek Golf Course. Don't forget, book your tee time now online by going to millcreekmetroparks.org slash golf or call them at 330-740-7112. For executive producer Dave Ferris and our studios in Struthers for Western Reserve Radio, I'm Mark Means. You've been listening to By All Means, presented by Milk Creek Golf Course, episode number 21, right here on Western Reserve Radio.